Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. And this week, I don't know if you remember, Jose, but I left you and our listeners in kind of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm going to be telling you part two of the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. So if you haven't listened to part one, stop listening here. Go back to episode 24 and listen to part one of Elizabeth Smart. Okay. For all of our listeners that have already listened to part one, I have been waiting for a whole week. An entire week. <laughs> Sorry. For a whole <laughs> week. Let's just jump right in about time (laughs) so now it's been eight days since elizabeth's abduction and the media started to report that it started to look like an inside job they said that it looked like the screen had been cut from the inside of the house and that there had been a family member that did not pass the polygraph test this sounds really familiar like the screen being cut from the inside and that speculation. Is that from John Bonet? Yeah, I just told you like two seconds ago. The screen was cut from the inside. <laughs> no. I can wait. So while Jose waits, let me just tell the rest of you. Tom Smart, Elizabeth's uncle, ended up getting a polygraph by the police officers five days after him not getting any sleep. And when he got the polygraph test, it came back inconclusive. Which... I know what everybody's thinking. Oh my God, he did it. It was the uncle. But again, how many times have I said time and time again, even if you're innocent, do not take the polygraph test. They're not always right, you know, and which by the way, in that documentary, the detective Don Bell also said that a lot of the times in cases like child um, homicides or child abductions, Mm -hmm. the polygraph test tend to always come back inconclusive with family members or even like the parents because most of the times the parents of the children they think that they could have possibly somehow stopped it there's like some sort of guilt in it Mm -hmm. so because of that most of the time yeah the polygraph comes back inconclusive even though they had nothing to do with it but it's that guilt that parent guilt you know which of course like any parent if something happens to a child you're always going to blame yourself even if it's not your fault, you know, even if your child falls down, like, oh, maybe if I wouldn't have turned around in that instant or if I was holding, you know, it's it's just that parent instinct that we all have. Right. So that's why he's saying that's completely normal. Like, yes, it came back inconclusive. However, the department had actually looked very closely at the family and the family credit cards and their travels. So police knew that even even though there was, you know, unanswered questions with the polygraph coming back inconclusive, they knew that the family didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Elizabeth. So that is, isn't an after the fact type of thing. That is how it occurred at that point in time. Right. They were or like, the, well, okay, well, yeah. yes, this is weird, but police didn't really think he had anything to do with it. I mean, they can see that the family was losing sleep over this, that they weren't eating. They were very stressed out. They were doing everything they could to bring Elizabeth back home to try and find her. Right. Um, Even in that documentary, they said, I believe, I can't remember how far into Elizabeth's 
disappearance that her dad ended up getting hospitalized because he had gone i think they had said like three days straight with no sleep no food no nothing that he ended up collapsing so it's again this is you know even though yes oh you took the polygraph it came back inconclusive that can raise some eyebrows but at the same time they do understand well what is this parent going through that stress you know the salt lake city police department start to look into richard Reese as a person of interest and richard Reese was a handyman that had worked for the smart family and he had a history of drug abuse and he also had a history of stealing jewelry from the smart family but even though richard didn't have the best track record the smart family found it hard to believe that richard would take elizabeth why do they find that hard to believe they just didn't they couldn't believe it that it would be him yeah so one evening mary catherine was in the living room with her parents when the news came on and they showed a picture of of richard and they said that he was a suspect in elizabeth's disappearance and mary catherine pointed to the picture that they showed on tv and she said that she knew that was the man that took elizabeth from the home that night she said that was Mm -hmm. so weeks have passed and elizabeth has been raped repeatedly and she also had to sit around and listen to brian preach and during one of his preachings he said that he was going to abduct seven more girls and bring them to the camp and that they were all going to be his wives and they would all love him in this tent and yes and during one of his preachings Brian was talking about his mother and where Brian grew up. When Elizabeth seemed to recognize the area that Brian was describing. So she told him that she knew where that was. Because her cousin lives apparently near his mother's house. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth thought she was going to get yelled at. Because apparently she was under like strict rules to not speak of her life prior to the abduction. So it was like, she's like trying to brainwash her. Yes. Like this is your life that you had no life prior than, than this. Right. So, but surprisingly, Brian didn't yell at her. Then the following day, Brian approaches Elizabeth and he tells her that he'd received this revelation That she wasn't going to like it, but that the Lord had commanded him to go forth and plunder her cousin Olivia to be wife number two. So you had a God talk to him. Right. To do this. Yes. So when he says that to her, Brian goes, pulls out the knife that he used to kidnap Elizabeth. Brian shows it to her and he says, do you recognize this? And he walks away. And Elizabeth felt awful because she felt like she had just betrayed her family and her cousin Olivia. And he was now going to kidnap her as well. That's so horrible. Mm -hmm. This poor girl. Right. Like now she's just like, oh, she was already worried about her whole family. He might go back and kill them if she doesn't do what they say, you know. And now it's like, oh, my gosh. Now, now the guilt of this. Right. Then, on July 24th, 2002, seven weeks after Elizabeth's abduction, 
police officers get a call from Steve Wright stating that someone just tried to break into their home. Steve tells police officers that they should also probably know that they're related to the Smart family. So is this the Olivia's dad? Yes. So Steve tells police officers that ever since Elizabeth was taken from their home, Steve, his wife, along with their children, they all slept in the master bedroom. Mm -hmm. But on that particular night, one of his daughters thought she was ready to sleep in her room, which she happened to share. That daughter happened to share that room with Olivia. Okay. Okay. And that's when someone comes, cuts the screen. But when they try to push their way through the screen, he wasn't expecting for there to be like a little table with picture frames. Mm -hmm. So he knocked them over, which caused the daughter to wake up, which then in return caused him to get scared, the assailant, and run away. No, I'm sure that the girl probably screamed. Mm -hmm. She, everybody being on edge. Right. So as soon as Ed Smart hears how someone tries to break into another family member's home the same way that someone broke into his home right away he calls the salt lake police department and tells them about it so they can you know go and check it out because he's thinking it has to be the same guy right but police officers kind of brush it off and they say it must be a copycat not the same person that took elizabeth because they they went there they checked out the house there's no evidence there's no fingerprints there's no nothing they're like this could just be some sort of weird coincidence so elizabeth has been missing for weeks now and she has been raped food deprived and water deprived and one day brian heads back to the camp after being away and wanda is angry and she starts yelling at brian saying that she isn't staying back at the camp alone with Elizabeth anymore. It's not fair that he gets to go into town, eat whatever he wants, drink whatever he wants, while Wanda doesn't. So Brian agrees, and he starts to go into town with Wanda and Elizabeth. But he tells Elizabeth that she has to wear a veil and that she can't talk to anyone. And that if she tries to talk or if she thinks of running away, he will kill her and her family. Good question. Mm-hmm. So does he go into town dressed up like Jesus? Mm-hmm. And nobody finds that weird? He's a prophet. He would go into the streets and like... Does he have sandals on? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Like Jesus sandals? Okay. Eventually... The three of them start taking frequent trips into town. And guess what? They get so cocky that they even start attending parties together. What? So apparently in this documentary that I saw, Utah is, you're either Mormon or not. Right. So apparently like everybody kind of knows each other or whatever. So during one of these trips, they like went to the grocery store and it, sounded like i think it was the clerk that told him oh there's a party going on friendly and they ended up showing up Hmm. so during one of their visits into town also brian ended up taking wanda and elizabeth into the library so that they can start researching how to get out of town because they're starting to get closer to winter 
and they needed to go somewhere where they will be able to survive the winter because now it's been 12 weeks since Elizabeth has been taken. Remember, mm-hmm. they're up in a mountain. So they're thinking it gets cold. Like, where are we supposed to go? So the, now they're trying to get it out of town. And while at the library, they start to look at maps and they start looking at places to stay in San Diego. Oh, really? Yeah. When all of a sudden, guess what happens? You're going to die. What? A homicide detective approaches them. What? Yes. The three of them. They're in the library. Elizabeth is there. Yes. Yes, they're in the library. They're looking at maps. They're looking at San Diego. Where are we going to go in San Diego? And the detective approaches them and he starts questioning them. And, you know, he starts telling them how they're looking for a girl. He never says Elizabeth's name, but he's just saying, you know, we're looking for a girl that went missing and it will really help. If Wait, doesn't she speak up? She's scared. She's scared. This guy has raped her, has been brainwashing her has been mentally abusing her like telling her if you do this i'm gonna kill you and your family Mm -hmm. like what she's been through she's been raped taken from her home and nobody has stopped this guy it's not that i'm questioning it's just so awful and so many close encounters for her to get saved right so the detective approaches them never does he mention elizabeth's name but he tells them that he, they're looking for a girl that went missing. And it would really be of great help if he can see the girl's face. Mm. Meaning Elizabeth. Yeah. Because remember, the other one looks like a witch. Like an old hat. Mm-hmm. But Brian right away falls back into their religion, quote mm-hmm. unquote. And he tells the detective, no, no, no. Nobody can see her face. The only two people I can see her face is me, her father, and her future husband. That's it. It's our religion believes you can't see her face. And the detective, obviously, he can't just go and rip her veil. And, you know, so he walks away. And the whole time, Elizabeth said that um, Wanda had her grip on her leg Mm -hmm. as the detective is there. And she said that she's like, it's okay. He'll see through this. This is a lie, like, you know, but no, the whole time she was like gripping her leg. Like, you move, you say anything, and you're you're done. I'll kill you. And she's just thinking, you know, what if I say I'm Elizabeth and he doesn't believe me and he walks away and now I'm like now I'm left here and they're gonna go off and kill my family and kill me. So she's just so fearful. Right. Okay. So after that encounter, Brian refuses to take Elizabeth back into town and he starts leaving Wanda once again alone with Elizabeth while he went out panhandling into town then about two to three weeks later Brian is able to get enough money for the three of them to get bus tickets to Lakeside here in San Diego Hmm, okay meanwhile Salt Lake City police officers are looking into Richard Reese as he's looking more and more promising to them because obviously they caught him that he was like breaking into houses burglarizing them and he was doing all this in the same neighborhood that elizabeth lived in so they're thinking he keeps on lying we keep on catching him in lies and now like we catch him that he's burgling houses in the same neighborhood they're thinking this is their guy but police officers had to give 
Richard receive a polygraph test. And when they do, Richard passes it. And it also didn't help that he had an alibi. His alibi wasn't that great, but he had an alibi. His alibi was that he was at home sleeping next to his wife. Hmm. Okay. And the wife did come forth and said he was there. You know, he that night he was there sleeping with me. We were in our house. Right. So, you know, it's not great, but there is an alibi that he has. But police end up arresting him for the burglaries and for other like parole violations that he had for other things. So even though police don't have much to go by, they continue, even though they've arrested Richard, they continue to question him. And the more and more that police question him, the more that police start to think that, you know, maybe he didn't do it. Because one, he wasn't confessing to it. And two, the more that they talk to him, they're like, this guy is not smart enough to pull off a kidnapping like this one, leaving no evidence behind. Like they're thinking, this is like the guy that you hire to drive the getaway car. This isn't the guy that actually commits the crime. By the end of August 2002, police had a total of 39,000 leads. 39,000? 39,000 leads that had been called into the police station. But nothing was solid enough to, like, make them follow those leads. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking, well, we have Richard, like, we think it's Richard. We just have to keep on questioning him. But then, on August 28th, 2002, Richard dies of a brain hemorrhage. What? Yes. Literally weeks after? Yes. Oh, man. He dies of a brain hemorrhage. They're thinking, whatever information he had... If he was tied to Elizabeth Smart's abduction, they're just now never going to know. Right. So on October 12th, 2002, Mary Catherine is having her father, Ed, tuck her into bed when all of a sudden Mary Catherine remembers something about the night that Elizabeth was taken. Really? Mary Elizabeth tells her father that the man that took her sister is the same man that had come to the house to help fix the roof. He had told the family that his name was Emmanuel. Right away, Ed rushes to the police, tells them this new revelation that Mary Catherine, you know, has something that she remembered. Because remember, she was she was little. Elizabeth yeah. was 14. She was younger. So it was like, Wait a minute, like now I remember. And the whole family in that documentary, the Elizabeth Smart documentary, mm-hmm. Elizabeth's mom, Lewis, had, or I believe it was the dad, I can't remember who, but one of the family members had stated that the whole family was under strict rules of not questioning Mary Catherine yeah. as mm. to that night because they didn't want to try. They took the approach of, if she saw something, if she remembered, like, she has to come to that on her own, you right. know? So they wanted to avoid any questioning, anything like that. So right away, when Ed hears this, he goes to police. And the police question Mary Catherine. But then Mary Catherine starts saying things like, well... I didn't say that that was the man. I said that Emmanuel might be the man. So unfortunately, because of that, because she was so, you know, like uncertain, the lead doesn't really go anywhere. 
I mean, do they even know who Emmanuel is at this point? No, but th- that's the thing. The family is gives them a description, tells them how they found him, tells them it was a homeless guy that we found. He was panhandling in this area. You know, they gave all the details. But again, because she had already said that Richard was the guy, but now she's saying, wait a minute, he wasn't the guy. It was this guy. Yeah. She gave a description of Emmanuel to police officers. They had a sketch done. But police officers didn't feel like it was enough. Like now, I don't, and I don't know. I feel like maybe police officers thought we're not going to go on a witch hunt, you know, again. And they probably just thought Richard was the guy and that's it. I don't know. I mean, when you think about so many leads, 39,000 leads, and now there's another lead coming from and the, the only little, witness. The only witness. Exactly. Like, take it take seriously. It, take yeah. it. Take yeah. it and run with it. Because the Smart family believes that the Salt Lake City Police Department isn't doing enough to try and find Emmanuel to question him, the Smart family contacts my number one hero. That was number one, huh? John Walsh. And they ask him for help. Then on December 23rd, 2002, John Walsh goes on Larry King Life and he announces that Mary Catherine has just revealed that Richard Reese is not the man that took Elizabeth, but in fact, it's another man that helped fix the roof on the Smart's home. Keep in mind, the family is going to John Walsh. John Walsh is now going public. This is all against the Salt Lake Police Department, against what they advised the family not to do. They said, don't go public. Don't go to the media to say that, you know, your daughter remembers something else. Now, why? I don't know. So yeah, I was now, wondering why. So why now not? the police, they're under scrutiny with the police department because they're like they're doing everything we're telling them not to do right so john walsh even goes as far as putting it on america's most wanted Mm -hmm. on his show on america's most wanted he even shows the sketch that mary catherine had provided to police officers because remember they even did a sketch of the man that she described they show it on america's most wanted Shortly after John Walsh goes public with that information, the family also starts to hold press conferences. They start putting their daughter's pictures out there again. They start showing the sketch and asking the public for help, saying that he's wanted for questioning. Mm -hmm. Well, while the family's holding one of these press conferences, someone by the name Tom Holbrook was watching this press conference when he hears the family say that the man they're looking for goes by the name of Emmanuel. When Tom heard that name, he called to his wife Lisa into the room. Lisa immediately picks up the phone, calls police, and she tells them that the man they're looking for is her brother, Brian Mitchell. Wow. So John Walsh, remember, he ends up putting the story out on America's Most Wanted, and they put up a picture of Brian Mitchell, a.k.a. Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. And when he also did that, America's Most Wanted hotline got a call from someone that claimed to be Brian's ex-wife. Really? Yes. And she tells them, how her ex-husband, Brian Mitchell, likes to go by the name Emmanuel and how he's this big old con artist. He has this psycho girlfriend named Wanda Barsi. I called her out. 
<laughs> and how when they were married, he even molested her own daughter, meaning that would have been his stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now she's like suicidal. And, you know, there's all these components. So, again, America's Most Wanted. They are the number one, you know, original crime catchers. You know, they had this hotline and a lot of people watched. So back in the right. days, like, I almost felt, at least I always did, where it's like I would watch an episode with my grandma and then like we'd go out somewhere and I'd be like looking at people's faces. Yeah. Why are they on there? Like, do I know them? So I can call the hotline. Like, I got them. <laughs> well, it kind of went down something like that or I like to imagine. Because then on March 12th, 2003, fun fact, one day after my birthday, Ooh. fun fact, someone spotted a man matching Emmanuel's description walking along State Street in Sandy, Utah. And right away, they called the America's Most Wanted hotline to report it. Sandy police end up stopping Brian, Wanda, and Elizabeth, and they bring them back to the police station for questioning. And that's when Elizabeth tells them that she is Elizabeth Smart. And she starts describing to them the night that Brian Mitchell took her from her home. And on March 12, 2003, Elizabeth finally gets reunited with her family. Now, keep in mind, March 12, she, when she went missing, she was 14. She's now 15 years old. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, Brian Mitchell is now serving a life sentence in a federal prison. And you want to know about Wanda Barcy? You know, you're probably thinking, well, what about her? What happened to her? Yeah, she had life in prison too. You know? Well, she was released from prison on September 19th, 2018. What? Yes. Due to some miscalculated time that she had previously served in federal custody. So she is now a free woman. Are you kidding? Nope. And in 2011, Elizabeth started the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, which provides recovery, advocacy, and prevention resources for victims and families. Elizabeth has also gone on and written two amazing books about her experience from when she was kidnapped and then another book about overcoming the trauma that she has been through. Incredible story. Yes, she is an amazing woman. She's now married, has kids of her own She's just, she's a rock star. She's amazing. Thank you, America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at podcasttruecrimeweekly. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcast. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.